Welcome to the Simple Faith Podcast, exploring authentic Christianity for normal people. My name is Dave Betts, and together with my wife, Sherea, we're going to explore all the things that make our faith what it is. From looking at the big picture of the Bible to exploring the tough questions that might be getting in the way of your relationship with God. We're not going to use unnecessarily churchy language, and we're not pretending that we have all the answers. And the best bit, we'll never take more than 30 minutes of your time each week. We want to keep it simple and hopefully have some fun along the way. Thanks for joining us. In this week's episode, we continue our series on churchy words for normal people, looking at the word apologetics. Why is it so important that we are able to defend our faith? Well, hello and welcome back to the Simple Faith podcast, where we are doing our best to make what is actually quite a complicated faith when you dig deep into the Bible as simple as possible. Uh, We've been talking about a lot of fairly complex things in the last few weeks, things like the sovereignty of God and sanctification and theology. And well, we thought it might be fun to start with some random facts that have absolutely nothing to do with our faith. They are very random, but I think everyone loves random facts. They're just fun and usually kind of a bit strange. Yeah, absolutely. We are here right now, just so you know, for context, with a Calgary mug from Starbucks with some unbelievable tea in it and a Lion King mug. <laughs> why did, why do we need that for helping context? You, helping you picture the situation as, <laughs> as hang on. As he spills his tea on. <laughs> did I? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, spill my tea everywhere. That's okay. Okay, fun facts. Are you ready? Banging your head against a wall for one hour burns 150 calories. <laughs> I feel bad for the person who had to do that so that they could get this fact and and know that it's true. <laughs> like who yeah. had to bang their head on a wall for an hour to, to know how many calories it burns? Um, by the way, none of these st- uh, facts are like verifiable in any way i think i think they're probably (laughs) and maybe none of them are legit they're all it's all hearsay myths apparently crows can hold grudges against specific individual people i believe that i think crows are very smart but they can be brutal like they're not very nice i saw a really funny picture the other day of um it was like a cartoon and the crow had no feet and uh, his friend said to him i knew you shouldn't have had that uh, anti-aging cream (laughs) What? Because it, oh. anti-aging cream helps you get rid of crow's feet. <laughs> so funny. Anyway, next, 29th of May is officially put your pillow on your fridge day. What? Why? Why would anyone ever do that? Well, well, this strange holiday actually spans back to the early 1900s where family would, would place a, a piece of cloth in their larders. It's celebrated in Europe and the USA to bring luck and wealth to your household. Well, I'm from Europe hmm. and I can tell you that my my European experience is not that. Uh, and I don't know if anyone else has either. Um, there are too many days. <laughs> that Do what? <laughs> there are too many days to celebrate. Like apparently today, as we record this, is Christian Podcasters Day. Is it really? Yeah, what? it's ridiculous. What? Come on now. <laughs> um, you can have a day for anything. One more, One more fact. And then we'll actually, you know, talk about some real stuff. 7% of American adults apparently believe that chocolate milk comes from brown cows. No, I can understand if like children were mixed into that percentage, but specifically it says adults. That's what I can't believe. Really? (laughs) 7%. Now I'm going to be very careful about what I say here because I don't want to offend any Americans. I love America mostly. 
Um, 16.4 million American adults, that would be. Now, chocolate milk doesn't come from brown cows. It actually comes from the black and white spotted ones. So oh my God. now you know. Dave is a liar. I'm not. I'm I mean, not. just in this one case, I guess. <laughs> yeah, good, good. <laughs> um, okay, la- let, really, really last one, because this is quite funny. Most Korean people don't have armpit odor. What? <laughs> Apparently... 0.006 of the Korean population have the ABCC11 gene, which is the cause of armpit odor. I don't think I have that. I don't think I have that gene because my armpits don't smell. So You mean you think you do? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think I do have that. I must have the ABCC11 gene. There you go. Because armpit odor is supposed to come from the bacteria that, that eats your sweat. That's what it, the smells from, really. So is what it? does what does that mean? I've never heard that before. Yeah, that's, that's well, you know what, what it's from. It doesn't matter because that's not what this podcast <laughs> Probably is about. Probably shouldn't overanalyze these. <laughs> Today, we are continuing our series, Churchy Words for Normal People, and we are going to be delving into apologetics. What the heck is apologetics? That's the question that I hear all of you asking. <laughs> all of you are wondering, what is apologetics and why is it important? Well, you're in luck because that is what we're going to be talking about today after the break. Today we're looking at apologetics. This is a branch of theology that's really important, but it can also get incredibly complex and intensely philosophical, uh, depending how deep you want to go. So what is apologetics? Yeah, apologetics could be described and is sometimes described as the art and the science of defending the Christian faith. So if you've ever felt like you've had to defend the fact that you're a Christian by using logic or reason, then technically you've been an apologist. Uh, it's, it's the area of theology that wrestles with important questions about our faith, like does God exist and is the Bible trustworthy? You might remember that we answered this question with Simon Argent in a previous episode a few months ago. Uh, did Jesus really rise from the dead? Why do people suffer? Are all religions equally uh, valid? Can a loving God send people to hell? How was the world created? Is the Bible compatible with evolution? So that definition, it's the art and the science of defending the Christian faith. Yeah, these are some big topics. So as you can probably tell, apologetics is really important. One of the most important passages in the Bible for apologetics is 1 Peter 3, 15 to 16. And it says, but in your hearts regard Christ, the Lord is holy ready at any time to give a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet, do this with gentleness and reference, keeping a clear conscience, so that when you are accused, those who disparage your good conduct in Christ will be put to shame. So what does that passage tell us? Well, it tells us that first and foremost, it is uh, important to study apologetics because the Bible calls us to be prepared to defend our faith as Christians. And if God is telling us to do it, then there's a definite sign that that it's good for us, right? And uh, there are two other reasons as well to study apologetics. So firstly, because the Bible calls us to. Secondly, because it can help strengthen our own faith. You know, as a, a teenage atheist, I used to have this picture of people who uh, kind of became Christians, kind of closing their eyes and blindly jumping off of a cliff and hoping that it would just work out. Maybe that's a picture that you have as well. But 
and that's what faith was to me. And the more I study apologetics and philosophy and the Bible, the more convinced I am that being a Christian is the most logical decision you can make. You know, it's it's good to ask questions, by the way. If you're a Christian, it's so good to to ask questions. It's, it's also really good to recognize when you don't have the answer. One of the most dangerous things you can do is make up an answer when you don't know, because we can have confidence that the Bible always has the answer. Um, so when we make stuff up, sometimes we can actually be uh, less than helpful. And thirdly, apologetics can be a really helpful tool for evangelism, you know, for sharing the gospel with people. In our Western culture, there are a lot of assumptions about religion and God. And you know, I used to believe all of them as a teenage uh, atheist. And I remember sitting with the youth pastor of the church that I was going along to at the time. His name was Lee Later Matthews. And I remember asking him all sorts of questions. You know, for me, I couldn't understand how God was compatible with evolution or dinosaurs or suffering and how uh, one religion could say it was more valid than another. But Lee answered every question so well and logically that it, it lowered some of those uh, intellectual barriers that I'd put up against believing in God. And, and it wasn't the only part and probably not even the most important part of my faith journey, but the use of apologetics was definitely significant in me coming to know Jesus. So the important thing here is to, to recognize the second part of that verse in First Peter, I don't know if you remember it, it said, be ready to give a defense with gentleness and reverence, or sometimes it's translated as respect, with gentleness and respect. As a newish believer, I was a total Facebook keyboard warrior who wanted to prove to everyone why uh, they were completely wrong to not believe in God. But that's just not helpful or wise. I was kind of a jerk about it. And I was about as gentle as, you know, a baseball bat in the face, I bet. You know, it was kind of embarrassing, actually. But in the right context and with the right heart, apologetics can be you know, really helpful in lowering barriers to Jesus. So to recap, it's important to study apologetics uh, because one, the Bible tells us too, we see that in First Peter. Two, it can strengthen our own faith. And then the third reason is because it can be really useful in leading other people to Jesus. Yeah, absolutely. Now, Sharia, I know that in some of the places you've worked in the past, you found that having uh, some understanding of apologetics has been really helpful, right? Uh, do you want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, like Dave said, in the past, I've worked with a lot of people who either knew very little about Christianity or were just very disenfranchised with anything that had to do with God or religion because of the experiences that they had had. I had some really cool opportunities to share my faith and explain some of what I believed and why. Um, what I found is the best thing that I could do was to just ask them lots of questions and, and then really take time to, to listen to them and what other people believed. And then because I took that time, people would naturally ask me a lot of those same questions. And that gave me the opportunity to explain my point of view without trying to force that view on them or make them feel stupid or condemned for not having the same beliefs as me. It opened a door to be able to have some deep conversations. And it also challenged me to have to really work through what I believe and, and why and learn how to explain that well to others. It was probably one of the biggest growing points in my faith. And it also helped me build really strong relationships with people who don't have the same beliefs as me, which I think is really valuable. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, as your husband, I've really loved watching you have those kinds of opportunities. You know, Shreya is uh, really gifted at just loving people well, wherever they're at and whatever they're going through. And I really love that. You know, I, I find that hard sometimes. Um, you know, right now, I think it's probably a good time to take a quick break. But when we return, 
Uh, we're going to look at a few more specific examples of uh, apologetics. So we'll see you in just a second. If you're looking for a really clear example of apologetics in the Bible, one of the best places to turn, in my opinion, is Acts 17, verses 16 to 34. In that chapter, we, we find the same Paul who wrote a huge chunk of the New Testament, and he's in Athens at a place called the Areopagus, which, uh, by the way, you can actually visit today, which is really cool. Fun fact, Shreya and I actually visited it by accident, didn't mean to get there, we just ended up there. But that's really cool. Uh, for the sake of time, we're not going to read the passage itself. But if you have a moment, check out that passage, Acts 17, verses 16 to 34. Um, either pause this podcast and read it or get to it later. But just do know that Paul does a masterful job of using apologetics really well. You see, he's in Greece, a city full of idols with a huge number of philosophical thinkers. And so he goes through a few very apologetically brilliant steps. So in verses 22 to 23, where his message begins, he talks to the people where they're at, saying things like, you know, I can see that you're very religious. And that's not a negative thing at the time. That was a, a positive thing. And I found an altar which was inscribed to an unknown God. So he addresses some things that he's witnessed about them and then presents an argument that this unknown God that they're talking about was actually the God of heaven and earth. And that because of this, their love for idols was a problem. And although it's hard for us to spot today, he did something really, really clever. In verse 28, he supports his argument by quoting uh, Epimenides and Aratus. I think that's how you say it, uh, well-known secular writers of the time before calling for a response. That's, it's brilliant. And this is just one example of apologetics in the Bible. But with the time that we have left, I'd really love to focus in on a particular apologetic question and show how logic and reason can help us to trust more in God, because that's, that's what we're aiming for, right? So let's take the question, does God exist? So, Shreya, does God exist? Yeah, there are actually a ton of arguments for the existence of God, but we're just going to look at a few today. A lot of them have kind of intense names, but they're actually not as intense as they sound. So let's start with the Callum cosmological argument. Um, and this argument basically says that everything that begins to exist has a cause. So the universe began to exist, therefore the universe has a cause. Let's just, before we move on, let's talk about that in a bit more detail there, Sharia. So let's talk about each statement. So we call these first two premises. Uh, everything that begins to exist has a cause. Think about that. So the microphones that we're speaking into, they began to exist at some point. They were caused when they were manufactured. Same with you, Sharia. You know, when you were born, you had a cause. Your parents caused you because you began to exist at some point, you didn't exist and then you did. Well, according to scientific studies, it seems that the universe began to exist. You know, that's what the Big Bang argues is if you believe in the Big Bang, you know, some people do, don't and that's okay. Um, but if you believe in the Big Bang, it started with nothing and then expands and the universe is expanding. It all points to a beginning point. If you believe that God created the Big Bang, then, that's, then of course you believe that. If you believe that God created the universe out of nothing and it wasn't a big bang, then you would still believe that the universe began to exist. All evidence points to the fact that the universe begins to exist and therefore the universe has a cause. The question is who or what 
caused the universe. That's one of the first kind of arguments for the existence of God. Andrew Wilson, who is one of my favorite writers to quote on this podcast, you might well know that one day, maybe he'll be on this show and that'll be a happy, happy moment. He says this in his Think Theology blog, uh, which you should check out, by the way. He says, if I come into work with a black eye and people ask how I got it, it's perfectly reasonable to give a purely physical explanation and say, well, because the blood vessels in my ocular area are working overtime to repair damaged tissue. But they might feel a bit shortchanged with that reply because physical explanations don't remove the need for personal explanations. They'll probably find a different type of answer. For example, because I stared too long at this guy's girlfriend in the pub last night, rather more satisfying. And they certainly won't think that the former removes the possibility of the latter. So what he's saying is, you know, you can have a scientific explanation, but that doesn't mean that God wasn't involved. That's basically what he's saying. Some people do argue against this view, but um, a guy called Rob van der Wegher, I don't know how to say his name, I'm going to go with that, Wegher, check out our show notes on simplefaithpodcast.com to find links to these guys. In his book, Prepared to Answer, he offers some really great insight into the atheist counterargument. So uh, an atheist, just in case you don't know, is someone who doesn't believe in God. Uh, he says this, Atheists are eager to claim that this argument is invalid because even the creator would need a cause. Something must have created the creator. However, the Kalam uh, argument does not claim that everything that exists needs a cause but only with whatever begins to exist. As God, the creator has always existed. He does not need a cause. He is the uncaused cause. As can be proved by the concept of time and by the expansion of the universe, the universe started to exist. Thus, the universe had to be caused by a creator. Are you still with us? Okay, let's go for another argument for the existence of God. This is called the teleological argument. Again, these words are not always uh, super fun to say. I'm going to read another quote here, this time from a book called The Ultimate Priority by John MacArthur. He says this, something that is complete and perfected shows evidence of a maker. Design implies a designer. Take your watch apart and put all the pieces in your pocket. You will shake your leg a long time before you will ever hear the watch tick. When something works, someone made it work. If you see a piano, you don't assume that an elephant ran into a tree uh, where someone was sitting on a branch playing a harp and all the ivory wooden strings fell together and became a piano, the teleological argument says that the order in the universe is evidence that supreme intelligence, God, created it. Yeah, I actually think this is a really powerful argument. We went walking around this place called Abraham Lake the other day, and something you find a lot in Canadian parks or natural attractions are small anukshuks, which are basically stacked rocks kind of in the shape of a person that used to be used for navigational purposes by groups of First Nations people. And these are very simple structures. Like I said, they're basically just rocks stacked on top of each other. Um, but what struck me while we were walking is that something as simple as these, these stacks of rocks, nobody would look at them and think that they were there by mistake, like randomly, or that they just came to be formed in nature. It was so obvious that they were created by someone. And it struck me how we can look at something as simple as a stack of rocks and know that they didn't come to be there by accident. And yet we look at something as complex and ordered as like human DNA or the universe and still can't believe that there would be some kind of intelligent design behind that creation. Again, these are just two common arguments for the existence of God, uh, but I think they're quite compelling. You know, we don't have time to wade through the, the details of every single one or through every single argument, but let's go for one more, the moral argument. 
You know, in our world, almost every culture that exists has a similar understanding of right and wrong. In fact, many people who don't believe in any God at all will often say things like, well, I'm a good person and at least I haven't killed anyone. And this is really interesting as it implies that there is some sort of moral code that they follow. The question is, where does it come from? Many of the moral laws we follow in society are not subjective. In other words, they aren't influenced by the way we feel. It's not acceptable to kill someone or to steal just because we feel like it. And practically all people know the difference between right and wrong, even if they choose to ignore it. That's because there is objective moral law. That's to say, uh, there's a law that isn't influenced by personal feelings or opinion. The moral argument argues that without a higher power, there cannot be an objective moral law. Did you catch that? There cannot be an objective moral law without a higher power. Or to put it another way, we could just live however we wanted with no consequences without an objective moral law. If we just evolved meaninglessly from primordial ooze and it's all about survival of the fittest, why is there any kind of moral code? I I know what people would say. They'd say, oh, well, it's just so that you could survive. But it doesn't make sense. At some point, it falls apart. So the moral argument goes like this. Moral law implies a moral lawgiver. There is an objective moral law. Therefore, there is an objective moral lawgiver. Now, of course, the study of apologetics is vast and intellectually complex, and we wouldn't do uh, even close to full justice to the question, does God exist in a full half an hour, let alone a few minutes? But hopefully that gives you a super quick taster of apologetics. And we'll cover some of those uh, big questions in more depth in the future. But for now, I think we're going to leave it there. Stay tuned because after the break, we'll give you some recommendations as to how you can grow in your understanding of apologetics. So that is it from our discussion about apologetics. We hope you found that really helpful. If you have any questions, do let us know. Next week, we won't be continuing our Churchy Words for Normal People series, but we will be talking about a very churchy word. We're going to be asking the question, what is the deal with denominations? Notice the alliteration there. (laughs) That's very good. Hopefully it's catchy enough that you'll remember it. But anyways, we wanted to talk about in this section resources for you if you want to look more into apologetics. So Dave, what are some of those resources? Yeah, there are a few books I found really helpful. The first one is uh, an Andrew Wilson book, surprise, surprise, called If God, Then What? Uh, That's a really excellent book. If God, Then What? If you want something a bit more in depth, The Reason for God by Tim Keller. The Reason for God by Tim Keller. That one is really profound. The first time I read it, I didn't understand a word. The second time I read it, blew my mind. After that, there's a book called Prepared to Answer by Rob Van Der Wegge, W-E-G-H-E. That's an excellent book as well. Anything by a guy called Norman Geisler is, is pretty good, but that's getting pretty academic. So you really have to kind of stretch your mind to, to get to, to Norman Geisler stuff, or at least I did anyway. And then after that, follow people like William Lane Craig. He's excellent, William Lane Craig. And then finally, Anything by Ravi Zacharias or his apologetics ministry, 
It's called Arzim, Ravi Zacharias International Ministries. I took an apologetics course by Arzim last year and it was just awesome. Again, very academic and a real stretch for someone like me, but you might find it hugely profound. So there's a whole bunch of things there. We will put links to all of these suggestions on the Simple Faith Podcast show notes. Head to simplefaithpodcast.com or again, as always, Feel free to ask questions on uh, Instagram or Facebook or email us at Simple Faith Podcast or um, email us via our website. And that's that's it from us. Have a fantastic week. See you next week as we ask, what is the deal with denominations? 